Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. This episode is brought to you by Clear Sky. Corey, you know what I love about Clear Sky? What do you love about Clear Sky, Duke? Man, I've said it once and I'll say it again. I just love that it's all packaged on the... I love that it's all packaged on the ServiceNow platform. Absolutely. Because it's not like ID management, ID governance and automation is a new thing, right? There's apps out there that do it. And yeah, they're mature, but part of the cost of maturing along the way is that they're strapped to all their old tech debt and their old interfaces and all that stuff. And you move that into service now, you can basically take those decades of process knowledge and put it onto a technology where you're starting fresh, essentially. There's no tech debt. There's no like, oh, that's the way we did it the old way or whatever. And so I love the fact that it solves a super, super legit problem, but it does it in a new, fresh way. That's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm very fond of apps that build natively on the ServiceNow platform. I feel like that's where all your data is. That's where you get all the benefits of the platform uh, once you're when you're building there natively. So yeah, absolutely. So if you're at all interested in ID governance and automation or ID management, give our sponsor ClearSky a shot. Check them out. Their link is going to be in the description below. All right, Corey, what are we talking about today? All right, dude. Today we're talking about what the heck is the point of it all? Good one. Where does this question come from? Really what it comes down to is trying to identify what are the high value parts of ServiceNow and how they impact the work experience and how you get all of the, how you can squeeze all the value out of it. Right. Like how, how you walk up and down the stack and take all this information, all of these, all these bits and pieces and put it together into a cohesive part that's going to deli- deliver a ton of value for your organization or something. Man, you ever been on an implementation where it's like everybody's on some kind of autopilot, like you're sitting in the, in the meetings and every, everybody's mindful in the moment, but they're not mindful of some bigger picture. And it feels sometimes like you're going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger picture is often only really accounted for during the project management, during the pre-work, right? It's like, so during the pre-game when you're building out like the statement of work and all that kind of stuff, that's kind of when you're thinking about the global architecture of the project. But when you get to start to get into those individual meetings, like I just feel like you do lose sight of the the bigger Mm -hmm. picture. We talk about best practices and all that stuff. And I think even then, you can get so caught up in, oh, we've done a couple dozen of these things. And even though I'm talking mindfully, I am on some kind of autopilot. But from the customer perspective, and to prove this, you can go back and look at our Deb Quinton episode, right? Where yeah. she was like, hey, listen, folks, everything's about Epic right now. Like my entire existence revolves around how do I make Epic better? And it's like, yeah, we'll just parking lot that because we have our meeting about notification best practices. It's like, who yeah. cares? <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah, exactly. About- like you weren't listening. Oh, yeah. dude. So I'm going to draw a tangent here. This is a huge tangent. But I mean, I was watching an episode yesterday with the wife of uh, House Hunters, right? This is completely not service now related, but it's sure. related to the topic at hand. And so the, um, the woman on the episode was looking to buy a house. She happened to be here in Chicago. Uh, she's looking to buy a house and she had a realtor and then her best friend who was helping. Right. She told that she gave them a, a concrete set of attributes that she wanted to see in, in the condo that she was looking for. Right. The top of the list was it needs to have character. And if anyone knows what character means when you're talking about buying a house, it means it's got to be kind of old. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so what proceeded to happen? throughout this entire episode is that they saw three places, if you're familiar with House Hunters, right? The first one was the place that she chose and she told her realtor, we need to go see this place. 
that place met her criteria, right? It had character. It was big. Another thing was security. It may, it had built-in security. A doorman was completely, you know, um, a staff building, so on and so forth. The other two places fit the requirements of the people who were taking her shopping. So the second one was much more in line with her best friend's wish list. And the third one was much more in line with the agent's wish list, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody was listening to what she wanted. And so just bringing this back around the service now and, and the Dev Quinton episode, right? It's like when, we, when, you, when your customer tells you that this is what I want, freaking listen to them. Yeah, stop. <laughs> because she ended up buying house number one, which is the one, which is the only one that was on the episode that actually met the things on her wish list. And if your customer, if your customer that your client, right, is telling you these are the things that I want and you're selling them notifications, they won't be your customer much longer. You got to realize that the customer is anting up a significant chunk of change. Right. And so somebody signed off on like year or years worth of full-time salary to get this project done. And it's like they could have hired somebody else to do a whole bunch of other stuff. But instead, they bought this application, not only the license fees, but they also bought services to get this deployed. It's a lot of money. Absolutely. And so- why like somebody like sign that and with a sense of relief Whew, that's a lot of money but <laughs> but i'm going to get something in return for it and how often do you from top to bottom of the project just mindfully meditate on what that why might be so i think this episode man we're five minutes in we're still describing what the episode's about is like what is the point of the deployment yeah and you can't say the point of deploying ITSM is to get ITSM deployed. No. Yeah, no. The <laughs> thing can't, you can't use the definition to define the word, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so it, what we're going to do is probably we're going to probably tread a whole bunch of old ground here. But again, if you're just coming up and you're you haven't done a lot of implementations, you want to make sure your implementations are the kind of ones you read about. Then keep these points in mind. Um, yeah. So I'll lead off, and it's the simplest one. Like we're talking about visibility. Half the time when you're coming into the, well, maybe a little bit less than half, but you're coming into these implementations and the problem is this stuff is sitting in email or Excel or something else. So getting it visible is priority one, right? If nothing, if you get nothing else, at least the work is visible. We can solve all other problems later, but getting it visible is step one to doing any kind of analysis onto it. But this is where I'm going to pass it off to you, Corey. We can get visibility by putting it in sticky notes, as long as we agree on the right sticky note pile. True. So what beyond visibility is the point? For me, then I'd take it to the step to the next step would be decision making. And and this is a bit out of order, probably than what we had jotted down in the notes. But I feel like decision making comes directly after visibility. Right. Because once what we're looking at is visible, then we can actually make a de- decision on it. Like we mm-hmm. can use it. We can actually come to bear and say, OK, this is something we can do. This is something we won't do, whatever. Right. Whatever decision we need to make is. But we can't do that until we have visibility first, but until we know what the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. And I almost put like the first maturity level of decision making is prioritization. So like yeah. when I'm describing service now to people who aren't interested in becoming ServiceNow resources or wondering why should we buy ServiceNow? I, I first talk about how work sucks and work sucks <laughs> in, a whole, in a whole bunch of different ways. But the first way it sucks is where do I put it? 
I'm a new guy at work. Well, I have HR questions. Oh, go speak to Diane. I have questions about my job. Go speak to your manager. I have questions about this, that, and I, I'm relying on this tribal knowledge of where to go or some generic mailbox who I, I don't know or understand. I'm just always behind the eight ball about how do I get, how do I consume the work? So that's right. totally went on a tangent here, but it's still part of the point, isn't it? Like work sucks. It's hard to initiate. Oh, here's where I was going with this. But once we solve the problem of work initiation, which is one of the points of service now, Right. And you can go back to our catalyst episode if you don't believe us. Um, <laughs> is that okay? We've got it visible, and the problem is we got a thousand of these freaking things. <laughs> right. So what do we do next? Well, the point is figuring out the next most important thing to do. There's your decision making right there. What is the next most important thing to do? So that's the thing about it, Duke. Right. So when you take this back. You know, you, you're looking at a situation where you need visibility. You need to understand what the problem is. And and so the only way to do that, right, is to put it all out in front of you so you can actually see it. And then from there, we start talking about, like, we need to make a decision. But even when you start making a decision, it might might be step two. But there's even things inside of the decision, right, that, that need to take place prioritization, for example, you know, mm-hmm. quantifying the uh, the value of the decision. Right. Whether or not or the value to the business organization, like whether or not, you know, you can get by without making this decision for three months or three days, or only three minutes. Right. Like there, there are those things that the service now does very well in terms of putting this stuff in front of you and giving you the tools in, the, in order to make this call. And then from there, like, so let's assume now you've got everything visible. Mm-hmm. Let's assume now that you are now making decisions. Right. Like you're going and you're clicking buttons, accept, reject. You know, you're moving things around on your board so that you're making the decisions in the right order and putting the things that can wait towards the back and things that can't wait towards the front. Like you've got a a bit of a of a process that, you know, has organically uh, emerged from this. Well, what are you doing now? What's the next step from there? Well, from personally, I think you need to start thinking about automation, right, because you probably have more decisions to make than you have bandwidth to do at the time the decision is due. What's typically the outcome of that situation is that things start to bunch up, things start to get behind, or you start to take less time on the decision than is necessary to ensure that you're making the right the, the right choice. When you end up in that situation, right, now you need to start thinking about, okay, so what can we automate? What can we get off of our plate? Can we relegate to a machine to do, mm-hmm. you know, versus the things that require people to do? And this is one of the big things, I think, and one of the biggest untapped values on a service desk, right, is what tasks on that service desk can be automated, can be done better by a machine versus what task requires a person. And so what what often happens, you'll see, is that help, help desk gets outsourced, typically overseas, and that removes all of the value creating possibilities from the help desk. That's wrong. <laughs> And what you really want to do is you want to remove the things that don't create value, obviously, from the help desk, abstract those to the machines and let them and let the help desk do the things that do create value for your team internally. Focus on those things. What do you think, Duke? Man, there's a lot in there. Um, <laughs> I kind of hit you with a with a bit of a uh, a bit of a rant got, there. Like, outsourcing in there. And, um, <laughs> gosh, well, I mean, no, that's that's the case of. For sure, if we just like boil that up to automation, like that is the point. 
I mean, or it's, it's, it's a maturity level that is part of the point of doing this in the first place. Like I should have stuff that's easier to do now than before I paid, you know, six figures to get this thing implemented. And we always think of this in terms of, you know what? I think where I want to take this is before I want to start really probing on automation, because there's going to be stuff that's that's obvious, right? Automate right. these workflows for catalog items, right? But before I start probing other types of like non-catalog ob- uh, automation, I think part of the point is performance management. Okay. But before before automation, for a very specific reason, right? Okay. Um, and I've heard I've done this rant like a dozen times already, but like process isn't natural, right? Right. The protest is lots of highly ideologically aligned people, and they they believe the same things. They believe them passionately, but you can't get them to do anything right. <laughs> you, <know>? <laughs> <laughs> you can't get them to like march in the same direction, chant the same thing. It's just. The, the only thing you get is everybody's here versus right. a marching band where it's like the guy standing next to me could be somebody that you can't stand. You can't stand that. And he's playing a different instrument in your ear. And yet you're all playing the same song and marching in beat and all that kind of stuff. And the difference there is process. But like, why am I investing energy into the process? Because I have to, no process is just manifests on its own. That's a lesson here. Right. But if I'm going to pour energy into sustaining a process, what am I trying to get out of it? In a marching band, it's marching in time, playing your instrument right, playing the same song with your peers. Okay, yeah. so that was a long, that was a long kind of metaphor to set it up, but it, 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 the same really holds true to all the processes that we do. And when was the last time you sat with your implementer or your customer and said, hey, listen, what are you really trying to do in your change management? What are you really trying to do in your incident management? What is really the point of this custom app that you're building? Because that informs your performance management. If you tell me that your customers hate you, they hate (laughs) you because it takes you three days to respond on average. Well, there's your marching orders for your performance. We got to get our response time to less than this threshold. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that, right? So how I typically view this, like, what is your North Star for this implementation, right? It's like we uh, alluded to earlier or said earlier in in the the podcast when we talked about the dev dev episode, right, where it's epic. Only thing I care about is epic. We got to get epic. That's the North Star for that implementation, right? And you should always have that North Star for any implementation that you start on, right? So that's the only way that you can ensure that you're going to get to the end of it having achieved your goals and like you said duke there's you know you get a protest everybody shows up nobody's kind of doing anything that there's no there's no playbook there's no script right nobody you might get folks to say okay we're marching on city hall and everybody's making their way there you know and that's great that's but that's that's the best you're going to get but when you orchestrate this thing when you actually have like a band and they have been practicing and everyone has their marching orders and they know what to do what notes to play all of a sudden you get something that's beautiful. You get something that you can tell was choreographed, that people put time and effort in, and you get something that's a lot more valuable to you. And that's the outcome, right? The outcome is produced. Right. But, it's, got- it, but before you get that outcome, like you don't, nobody paid 
like it, it's not transactional. You know what I mean? Like nobody yeah. said if I went to just a bunch of like I picked 50 random high schoolers from across the Chicago area. Even okay. if I put down $50 million for them to split, you know what I mean? Yeah. $50 million to split. They will not become a marching band tomorrow. <laughs> they will not. There's, there's no amount of money in the universe right. that, can, that can substitute for we understand what the outcomes are and we're measuring so that we progress towards the outcomes. Yeah. Absolutely. So in whatever you're doing, if you're wondering what is the point, the point is to get to the outcomes we want. After after we've made it visible, now we have to figure out what things like why are we doing this in the first place? Yeah. I mean that's and that's a great point, right? And then we go to your automation, right? Where we say, okay, now we know that the response times are awful. Well, could we automate the response times so they're instantaneous? Could we, or or if that's not the case, could it we could we at least auto route the task somehow so it gets to a human being fast, or fill in the blank with whatever feature? The point is the features and the automations are contextualized in the performance. And yeah, and to illustrate right the flexibility of this framework to make that decision, you still need decision-making, right? So the decision-making process inside of ServiceNow lends itself to create, to put you on the, on the right path for automation, because you need to know if your um, re- reply time is, is too long, if it's yeah. three days versus three minutes, right? Like those are decisions, right? That, that you need to make along, the, along the way that you're going to be informed by, by data. Yeah. And it's passing, like it's passing a moral judgment on, where you're at too, right? I just remember when I was first started my career, everybody's reporting requests was like, get me this by category, get me this by priority, as if that would manifest a way to get better. But they already knew that getting better was reducing the time to resolution, reducing the time to respond, reducing the number of bounces between teams. But because they never thought about mindfully, like here's the outcomes that our data has to help us get to, Man, are we doing another outcomes episode? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm you know, just like I'm stuck on it. Yeah. I was just starting to think about that, right? It's like we, we're focusing a lot here on, on outcomes. And and while I think outcomes drive this process, I think the process so, is so much more of the point than, than the outcomes. And I say that because you can't get to the outcomes without a good process. Like I've, yeah. I've worked with a, a dozen, dozens of these things at this point, right? And I can tell you the the big difference between a successful project and a failure and a failing project is project management. And the the big difference driver in these situations is is because the project management creates a process for everyone to follow. We all sit down and we've been doing this for a bit. So we know what the outcome should be. We talk about that, you know, with our clients. I mean, we're talking about Duke and I talking about that right now on this, on this podcast, right? So we definitely bring it up with our clients and in particular, but Unless the process is aligned with getting to the outcomes, you're still just screaming into the void. So the ultimately, in my opinion, like what the frick is the point? The point is the process. The point is all of these various um, pieces of the process that come together like Voltron <laughs> uh-huh. and, and, and give you that outcome that you want. Right. Because that's the, the outcome is the goal. That's what the business wants. The business wants to know, hey, 
you know, we're doing an ITSM you know, project. What are we getting out of it? Well, you're going to get decreased response times. You're going to get increased customer satisfaction. You're going to get more efficiency with your technicians. Okay, great. There's three outcomes that we can hang our hat on, right? Now, how do we build that? How do we make the system do that? Well, the system's going to do that because we're going to add some automation, right? The system's going to do that because we're going to put in some decision making, right? The, the, uh, the system's going to do that because we're going to do performance management. Right. These are the things that align, you know, along the way that create the process that drives the outcome. Mm -hmm. Not sure where I want to go. Go with that from there. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's funny. This episode, I feel like we're treading so much old ground, but there's a reason for that. And it's because like, this is a big problem. I guess what I want for this episode is that people who are new to the game see it as more than just like, I got to implement ITSM or I took the course. Therefore I know how to implement ITSM or I know what the component pieces are. Therefore I quote unquote, know ITSM or ITBM or discovery, what have you. And no, that's not the point. Knowing right. the tool isn't the point. Deploying so, it isn't the point. I mean, in abstract, it isn't, right? No, you're right. Like, like, what did we just make visible? Why are we bothering to make it visible? How do we measure making that better, right? And then the automation is the component that that is the remediation, right? This takes way too long. Which parts do we automate? Great value. That's the thing, right? It's knowing the tool, deploying the tool. Those aren't the points. Right. Like mm -hmm. yeah, at the at the end of the day, right, you don't get trained up on that. And, you know, any anyone who, who's worth their their salt in this ecosystem, you know, will at some point be able to do those things. Yeah. But it's about more than that. It's about recognizing the value of the project that you're working on and being able to deliver that, you know, recognizing the individual pieces of this thing and putting them all together like a puzzle. Right. It's about those soft things. And maybe and I won't say not soft people skills in this situation, but soft business understanding that isn't often taught in a book. Right. Like, and I think that's yeah. part of it. Right. Like that's that's I think that's where, what we're trying to emphasize here. Right. Is that there's so much more to, to service now and so much more to delivering for your clients. Right. Than just doing the thing in the tool. Right. Just click configure business rule. There's more to it than that. Right. There's you got it because. Here's a here's a real world example, right? Like I built something for a client once. It was really cool. It was really technical. I did like code, right? Scripting clues and all that kind of good shit. And it was great, right? Let me tell you, I, I stood stood back and looked at this thing. And I was like, man, I coded the crap out of that, uh -huh. right? And then I, I showed it off to my client. You know, I demoed how it worked. They're like, oh, this is great. And then so let's, how does it work, right? Uh oh. <laughs> and so I walked them through the code and how does it work? And and you know they were silent. And at the end of that walkthrough, it's like, we can't maintain this. We don't have anybody with this level of skill. Mm. Right. I was so focused on delivering, using the tool to do the thing that I wasn't, I didn't think about the fact that I already knew that they didn't have anybody on staff who can maintain that code base. Right. And, and a lot of what I did, I could have, I could have abstracted to condition builders and, and uh, uh, data tables and things of that nature. But, you know, I, I didn't. <laughs> but I, you know, by the time I delivered the solution, it was right because they couldn't maintain it. I had to come take a step back, figure out what their need was, right? Like figure out what was the point for them. And the point for them was not only to get what was being driven by this code, but also be able to maintain it as well. 
Right. So, you know, I had to just take I just had to take a step back and realign. And so what we feel like and, and I think Duke and I have shared the same posture on this. Right. Is to always be making sure that you're aligning your solution with your client's needs. And, and I think if you do that, you can stay on point and you, you can really kind of figure out what the point is. Yeah, I think the complication I'd throw in there is that the customer doesn't always know the point. Uh, that's true. There's this idea that the person who signed the paperwork to get this implementation done is not the same person who you're dealing with day to day. And they might, those two people might not align. That's true. Right? Yeah. I worked at this hospital once and I was like a stand-in architect until they could find a full-time person. And sure. the guy who quote unquote owned ServiceNow, like from a financial perspective, He's just, I need to show that the money we pour into this has value. And right. so the point to him wasn't even like, gosh, does ITSM do ITSM? No, he just like inputs went in, there better be more on the output side, <laughs> <laughs> right? I put exactly five units in, I should be getting 15 units in return. It's right. almost like an investor's kind of, where the hell was I going with this? But then he's like, so we got to get ITBM deployed right now. But yeah, sorry, I totally lost the ball on that one. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's there, he, from his perspective, it was like, I don't care. Units in has to be less than units out. And then right. all along the way, right down to the admin that you're working with, they have different ideas about what the point is. And it's like the person I work closest with day to day who wasn't thinking about what's the point, who is very like feature function trade-off person. To them, the point was they asked for it this way. We should deploy it that way, right? So, it's a, yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's, so, so it's, it's like not... sometimes you got to be the guide back to the point, right? Right. Do we both agree that ITBM is here to help us control cost schedule, whatever? Yes, right. we agree. Okay. And do we also agree that out of box is better than you know what I mean? You just go down the list. But sometimes you've got to guide them back to the point. They don't always, they're not the, they're not always the arbiter of the point, if that makes any sense. No, it, it, it definitely does. I mean, you've we've been in this situation before where clients bought something. <clears throat> they're not entirely certain what they bought. The scope of work doesn't entirely mesh with what they feel like they'd be getting. And sometimes going through that process is to get this, to figure out what the point is, right? And sometimes you're telling them what they bought and what they want, right? And, and then you got to deliver it. And, and that might be different than what they thought they went in there wanting. I mean, that typically, you know, it's funny that typically comes into sharp relief when after the first demo, right? Like you've started a project, you get the client in the, in the room after the first sprint with something that's visible to show. Mm -hmm. And yeah, everyone's sitting around a conference table or in this case, the Zoom session and, and you're, you're doing the demo and then you get to the any, any, and it's any questions, right? And anytime you say any questions and there's silence, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've just spent a lot of money on this thing and, you know, and they spent a lot of money on you and you've just given them a demo of what they bought and there's silence and you're like, <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> and so now this is where you got to coax from them. Like, you know, what was wrong? Because now something's obviously wrong, but you know, it's human nature to not necessarily be confrontational. So what they typically want to do is to leave that meeting, come back with and, and with a follow up email and tell you about all the things that were horrible. You, you should you should try to avoid that process and try to get it all out right there. Right? So if you get nothing but silence, stop and go around the table. Hey, yeah. person A, tell me what you thought of this. What 
What was don't tell me what was good about it. Tell me what you felt like was wrong about it. Right. And go around the table and go to every single person. Tell me what was wrong about this thing. Eventually, as you get as you make it OK for people to tell you where you screwed up, then they'll start to tell you. And this is on the tangent. I feel mm-hmm. like a little bit. But no, I, I, I think, don't think it is at all. I think it's bang on point. As a matter of fact, put my choir robe on here. Going to sing along with you in a second. <laughs> <laughs> This is how I structure my ITBM deployments. And the unfortunate thing is that thirds of my ITBM deployments have been like, let's take a second shot at this because our first shot was so horrifically failed. Nice. For me to figure out what the point is means that I do like a week-long demo. Okay. It's shocking to me in the ITBM space how, how many times it's like, the point is to deploy project the way we think it should be deployed because we've done this three whole times. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. But these these companies are just so frustrated because they, they haven't been listened to. They've been told, here's how you deploy ITBM and blah, blah, blah. But if you sit with an organization, especially with ITBM, and just demo it over the course of like multiple long sessions, then the point manifests itself. Right. You'll come across stuff where they're like, yeah, that's that's normal. We do that too. We just do it in a different way. Other times they're like, holy cow, that's going to save us so much time. That's going to exactly. save us so much time. And then you'll get to the ones where it's like if they're, if they're silent or they're uncomfortably shifting in their seats or if they look sullen, right? Then you know you're in the problem areas like, okay, this is not gelling with the customer. Right. And, and it's the, those are the things that you lean into. But back to that whole idea, like sometimes the, the point, oh, where am I going with this, Corey? Like sometimes the, point the organization's is- point is like, hey, this version of Microsoft Project Server is like 30 years old and we got to get the hell off of it because that uh, Windows NT server that it's hosted on is just going to like <laughs> crumble into dust someday. <laughs> and so that's the point. G- GTFO this tool. <laughs> right, right. Um, but then... You have to still deploy something that is valuable to the stakeholder. Yeah. Right. And so I think sometimes getting to that point, like what is what is the point of deploying ITBM to you beyond just let's get off this crumbling Stone Age server? Exactly. And sometimes you can't get that done unless you have a collaborative look see feel of the tool and not just come in here, I'm 26 years old and I've done this three times. Let me tell you how to run a PMO. Somebody who's old enough to be my mom or dad. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, totally. All right, ageism. Sorry. (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) Put me in jail. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But 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 your but your greater point helps, right? Like the greater point helps. Sometimes you are called in because there's some budget to be burned, or there is a crumbling NT server in the closet somewhere that is going to die any moment and they got to get off of it. Editor's note here, I am a licensed MCSE and NT4.0. If you do have any old NT servers, I'm your guy. Anyway, <laughs> and, but but sometimes you do have those situations. And there, the, the master point right at the top level was get off of this infrastructure. But as you start to walk down a hierarchy, right, like you're going to figure out that, you know, there are bigger points there. There are some folks who have been enduring problems for the last 10 years. Right. And they're like, if you could only make a process that does X, right, that would save us so much time because I spend one day out of every month doing this thing manually. And then you're like manually. Well, ServiceNow can do that in 30 seconds. 
yeah. <laughs> right? And, and 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 then you show it, and they're like, "Wow!" And they fall out the chair, and then you know you got them. <laughs> and but I mean, but it's it's those situations where sometimes you, it's not the point is you have to go deeper than where the client sometimes is even telling you to go. You know, deeper than what what's on the um, statement of work, and di- deeper than um than what than what they've even kind of led led you on to believe. Yeah, you got to find that point, and then you can deliver the outcomes. And that's only and and it's only then when you know the point that you can actually deliver the outcome that the customer's looking for. Totally, I think that's a good place to leave it off. All right, all right. Thanks for listening, folks. This has been uh, as always. I am Robert the Duke Fedora, and I'm Corey CJ Wesley. We'll see you next time. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.